everyone. Welcome to Authors on the Air. I'm your host, Pam Stack. We're proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Days like this make me so happy because I get to sit back and be the tech rather than the host. My guest host today is William Myers Jr., who is a New York Times bestselling author. Um, He is also a civil litigation attorney, although he writes about criminal law. His first book, um, made the Amazon Kindle best-selling list at number six and remains there today. Um, that was called A Criminal Defense. His next book came out, An Engineered Injustice, and was loosely based on an actual Amtrak train crash that took place in Philadelphia. Um, And I should also mention that Bill is a Philadelphia lawyer. Um, The third book, A Killer's Alibi, just released in January. It's a spectacular book with some characters moving forward in the story. Um, I'm going to turn the microphone over to Bill now, who will tell you about who his guest is today. Bill, welcome back to Authors on the Air and making your hosting debut. Thank you, Pam. I really appreciate the opportunity, and I'm especially excited to be interviewing Mark Bellow today. Uh, Mark and I kind of live parallel lives. We're both authors, we're both practicing attorneys, and we're both uh, a little bit long in the tooth. I'm, I'm probably a little bit longer in the tooth than Mark, but uh, Mark, welcome welcome to the show. I appreciate you uh, joining us. I, I, I want to be Bill when I grow up. <laughs> So, Mark, let me ask you the question that, that people ask me. You're a practicing attorney, and yet you're churning out these high-quality books. How do you do it? Where do you find the time to write? Well, I'm not a practicing lawyer anymore. I'm 67 years old. I, I, I've slowed down, if you will, my practice. Uh, in recent years, I've... Uh, I've been managing a company that finances litigation, and I uh, essentially review cases for them mm-hmm. and underwrite uh, legal funding transactions. Uh, so I have I have some time on my hands. And I, uh, years ago, in the '80s, I handled uh, one of the uh, sexual abuse in the clergy cases. Uh, a, a couple of them back in 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 the eighties in Michigan, and, and that led that led to uh, your to your first book, Betrayal of Faith. That's correct. And, that, and that, I, I always bit. said to myself back, I always said to myself back then that I would write a book about the experience, and that's what I've done essentially. Let me let me talk to you about the book because it's you know this kind of thing has been happening for a while. We're we're learning about it more and more. What was it like to be an attorney who was right there with your client hearing about these things firsthand and looking across the table at somebody who went through this? Well, you know, the dirty little secret is that uh, the, the Boston situation that happened in the in the 2000s um, and more publicized situations since then are actor events. Uh, This has been going on for quite a long time. Uh, My case 
uh, occurred in the 70s, uh, late 70s, and there was a predecessor case against the same priest that occurred in 1971. So uh, this is a 50-year-old problem, uh, in my experience, and a problem that it, that uh, preceded me and my clients. So uh, when the church claims that they're going to take this stuff seriously uh, in the 21st century, I'm pretty dubious. Um, to answer your question, though, the, the experience was unsettling, uh, uh, unfortunate. Um, uh, it, you, you, you're, you're sitting there in a deposition. You're deposing the archbishop of your city who's on the news and who is revered, and he's and you ask him a question, and he lies to you. Um, I, I don't know how, you know, you're an attorney as well. Um, it, 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 it was very upsetting to me. Uh, he was, you know, he's kind of a hero. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not Catholic, uh, but uh, I had a lot of respect for this person, and he openly lied to me. Um, How, as did almost every as did almost every deponent from the church uh, whose deposition I took. That's that's the kind of thing that I found most upsetting. Uh, the other aspect of this, of course, is that the victims are members of their church, and if you're going to protect somebody. It ought not be the predator priest. It ought to be the innocent child victim. Right. And I've never understood this, what I'm going to call, quote, cover-up, unquote, um, and this continuous keeping these people uh, in the clergy and in most cases uh, in parishes where they can repeat their conduct. I've I've just never understood that strategy. How much did your own sense of outrage and shock play in motivating you to write the fictional account, Betrayal of Faith? Well, tremendously so. As I indicated, the events happened in the 70s and 80s. Uh, The book was... (laughs) The book was released in 2016, so so uh, I've carried this with me a long time. And I uh, and and again, you know, the, when you mention outrage, it isn't so much that I'm outraged about what happened to my clients, even though I am. It isn't so much that I'm outraged about how they treated me and my partner, even though I am. What I'm really outraged about is that little has changed, and it's 50 years later. I'm just it blows me away. I don't understand how that benefits um, the church. I just don't get it. I've never gotten it. And I think a lot of people share that with you. I noticed in, in, in looking at your website and looking at your blogs that although you you do feel this sense of outrage at these injustices, I don't get the sense, Mark, that you're cynical 
I get the sense that you still believe with, you know, with changes. If changes are made, you still believe that it's possible to create a just society. And I, I read that in your Zachary Blake betrayal series, one of the things that stands out about them is that each book highlights a problem that has to be solved to make our country greater. I mean, how, how accurate or inaccurate am I in, in reading you through that? Well, you're very accurate. The, the, uh, one of the things, uh, as, I was, um, as I was researching uh, as an interviewee, my interviewer, uh, I noticed that uh, you pull things when you write novels uh, from real-life events, and I'm not sure I'm smart enough uh, or a good enough writer to pull things out of a <laughs> out of a hat. Um, something has to um, touch me uh, in a real way for me to want to write about it. So all of my novels tend to be written from some uh, real-life experience. In in the case of Betrayal of Faith, it was this clergy abuse uh, case that I handled. In the second book, Betrayal of Justice, it was the 2016 election. Um, Let's talk about that. What did you you pull away from that? Well, I wrote it before the outcome of the election. I, I, I started thinking to myself uh, as, uh, I mean, I, I don't think it's any secret from looking at my novels that I'm uh, rather liberal in my thinking, especially in terms of the justice system. Um, uh, I, I have voted for both parties, but but uh, my tendencies are probably more liberal than, than most conservatives. Uh, so uh, I'm not a fan of our current president, and I started to think about what uh, the country would look like if this person or somebody like him, uh, and this is a fictional embellishment of that person, uh, but what the country would look like if we elected someone like that as president of the United States. And, and how, how does that play out? Fiction. How do you well, how, how does it how does it look how does it how does it look if it had gone the other way? Well, un, un, unfortunately, it, it uh, a lot of what I wrote uh, back then came true. Um, the slogan of the president, the fictional president, is "Make America Pure Again." Mm-hmm. He started by uh, uh, issuing a Muslim ban and uh, attempting to deport um, all Muslims in the country that were there as immigrants rather than born there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, white supremacists, uh, he became the hero of white, supremacist, of, of white supremacists, and a white supremacist decided uh, in his honor to firebomb a mosque. Wow, that um, sounds so. It sounds prophetic. I mean, frighteningly so. Frighteningly my, so. My female protagonist uh, uh, client in the book uh, decides that the Dearborn police. All of my books, by the way, similar to yours, 
uh, take place in, in Michigan where I practice, in, in your case, in Philadelphia where you practice. Right. Um, Dearborn, Michigan is the city in this country that has the largest concentration of Muslims in America. So he bombs a mosque, and naturally my 25-year-old female protagonist doesn't believe that the police are going to investigate this crime very seriously because they don't like Muslims either. And she decides to do her own little investigation, identifies the uh, perpetrator, follows him around, and witnesses his murder. Oh, my. Uh, and does it, when does it she then end up in the courtroom? Him, mm-hmm. Well, she renders help to him and ends up and ends up being accused of his murder. Uh, she's caught literally red-handed. <laughs> oh wow! Okay, that that's a heck of a plot twist. Um, so so it ends up in court. You know, that that happens that that happens probably in the first thirty to forty pages of the book. So I'm not giving away the book mm-hmm. by telling you this. Um, it it sets up the novel and the and the trial that that uh, uh, comes after. Now, um, things that this president does uh, in in this novel that I are predictions I made that our current president would or might do, and I, I leave it to you and the readers to determine. <laughs> how, how accurate I was. Well, it sounds like it sounds like you were accurate in, in quite a few respects. Um, frighten, like I said, frighteningly so. Um, tell yeah. me about tell me about your protagonist, Zachary Blake. Um, what motivates him? What's he like as a person? Well, Zachary in 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 uh, faith, uh, he's a down and out. Uh, uh, formerly successful trial lawyer who has fallen on hard times and uh, been kicked out of his own practice by his junior partners. He takes he takes to the uh, bottle. He uh, finds himself handling. Uh, appointments and assignments in in juvenile and criminal court and he screws those up and he's heading nowhere fast um a few years earlier he handled the case successfully for the mother of the two boys who were molested by the priest and she's the and, and he's the only lawyer she knows he calls her she calls him rather um he tries to sell her out initially for a quick buck and uh, essentially uh, she forces him to face his demons and he becomes um, a, a successful trial lawyer again and does he, uh, does he achieve so, justice for his client in this one correct and and uh, his his growth in faith continues in justice and continues in Betrayal in Blue after that. And in three more books after those, one of which is about to be released and two of which are being finished. And the one that's about to be released, that's Betrayal in Black? 
Correct. And tell me what Betrayal in Black is about. Betrayal in Black is the story of a cop on black shooting in a fictional Michigan town. I didn't want to pick on any particular Michigan city uh, with this topic. Um, uh, a young black man with a, with a with his family in the car is mistaken for a Burger King uh, holdup suspect. Uh, mistaken in, in a in a racist way because um, he looks nothing like the perpetrator, and he's also twenty something years older than the perpetrator. But nonetheless, uh, a cop pulls him over for no reason other than suspicion that he's the robber, uh, issues inconsistent commands, as you might imagine, mm-hmm. uh, put your hands on the steering wheel, show me your license and registration. Uh, the young driver wanting to make sure that the cop um, knows he's a good guy, tells him that he is lawfully licensed to carry a gun. Right. Stop panics, um, shoots him, kills him, and the trial of of the century essentially okay. follows that. Yeah, again, um, again, all, all, ripped from everybody the in in this in this fictional city, um, everybody chooses sides. Uh the cops, Black Lives Matter, uh the widow um et cetera. Right. It's quite it's quite an interesting book. Um and again, uh, these these things I, I I've handled police brutality cases in my life. I don't know about you, but uh I have. I've never handled a, a, a cop on black shooting. But seeing these things on the news day after day after day, um and and have and with no end in sight and no solutions being offered by anybody, um, and understanding, as someone who's represented people all my life, the frustration of those who can't get justice, um, I decided to write the book about it. And um, I'm pretty pr- I'm proud of that book. It's very it's a it's quite a an interesting novel. It it sounds like. You're an author who's not afraid to take your readers to places of raw emotion where we already feel these things because they're happening in real life. We all feel a sense of helplessness about it and a sense of of outrage. I mean, that's a pretty gutsy thing to do. Thank you. (laughs) I, I, I try. You're not writing about um, puppies and butterflies. <laughs> no, I'm not. No, I'm not. The, uh, the the book that follows that is called Betrayal High, mm-hmm. and it's about a school shooting. Oh boy! Told from told from multiple points of view, including the uh, very bullied shooter. Mm-hmm. Uh, we tended we tended as a country to demonize the shooter as we should he's a criminal but there's usually a, a motive and I and I and I tried to uh look at 
uh, a school shooting event from many perspectives, including the civil justice perspective, the criminal justice perspective, and the perspective of someone who is literally tortured by his classmates. Right. Uh, what so, What are the reactions that you get from your readers? I mean, we all get reviews, and we hear from our readers. When you write about these these highly charged, emotionally raw experiences, what are the types of reactions, Mark, that you get from your readers? Well, the latest uh, uh, three books have not been reviewed. Uh, as to as to faith, uh, what you say is uh, is very true. Um, it has touched people um, in ways I, you know, I, it's interesting. I, I, I read a review and I, and it's almost like an out of body experience. Um, someone talks about uh, how it touched them or how it made them feel or how angry they got or, or, or how sympathetic to the victims they got or how evil um the the clandestine coalition I created in betrayal of faith uh turned out to be and it's they're like wow moments for me it it's mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting it's almost like if I read a review of uh, of a bill myers book um and i I'd say, wow, I want to read that it's kind of <laughs> it's kind <laughs> of like an out of body experience for me. <laughs> yeah, you, where you look at someone else's perspective and you say, "He's talking about me." Yeah, wow. yeah. I mean, it's it, it's a it's a great sense. It's a great feeling in the sense that if you if you evoke a reaction like that from someone, it's telling you that your writing matters. You're not writing about things that people. Eh, I can take it. I can leave it. I'm not offended. I'm not moved. But when you're writing the stuff, especially the stuff that, that you're writing, Mark, where people – I mean, you're, you're touching these raw nerves, and people, they either take offense at it or they're hurt by it or they say, man, Mark, this is right on point. It's got to make you feel good because you're writing, you're writing what's real and what's important. It, it makes me feel good that I've touched people, that people get it. Um, but I'm writing about things that are actually happening in this country that piss me off, mm-hmm. if I can say that on the radio. Uh, and and um, in that sense, I'm as angry as they are. Uh, I, I'm glad they get it. I'm glad they they channeled into the anger and frustration that I, as a uh, civil justice advocate, uh, uh, two of my books are criminal. I noticed. I noticed, for instance, when I when I uh, looked you up, that you're a civil lawyer, but write about criminal law. I am. Um, I am. That's 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 very interesting to me because I had a little bit of difficulty uh, writing about criminal law because I'm I am too a civil uh, attorney, and and most of my experience has been civil. But uh, but like you, I did my homework and I uh, and research and attended various criminal trials and got comfortable with with uh, the things I wrote about but mainly it's 
you know, when you when you look at situations like uh, the president of the United States, not the president of Christians, not the president of Jews, not the president of uh, people that that uh, people on the right, for instance, the president of the United States, when that person says, "I'm going to ban all citizens of a particular faith." Uh, um, when you're Jewish, like I am, when someone starts talking about um, banning people of a particular faith, you channel the Holocaust, and I, I, it infuriated me, and that's how betrayal of justice came about. Okay. So it's just, I, I, I certainly, I certainly understand the country's frustration with fundamentalist. Uh, Islamic terrorists I, I get that But to blame it on uh, Peaceful American citizens Who happen to be Muslim You lose me And that's why I wrote the book Gentlemen I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to Jump right in here and say What a fascinating conversation Between two very Like-minded individuals as far as Their, their profession and their Writing is concerned um, I, I, I'm very very impressed Mark, um, would you please tell people where they can find you on the webs and in social media? Uh, I have a Facebook page, uh, Mark M. Bellow. My website is markmbello.com. Uh, the books are available on Amazon and through the website. Uh, I have a Twitter page, uh, Justice Fellow, or at Justice Fellow, I guess is how you say the you know, when you're 67, <laughs> you're not that. <laughs> you're not that hey, but hey I, listen, I think you know, you're at justice now. The interesting thing to me is when I first started doing this years ago, I had to ask my <laughs> my niece, who is like six, how to take images and put them on a Facebook page. So trust me when I say I get it completely. Um, <laughs> I got called. I got called out by a. Re- I got called out by a reviewer. Who, who said, uh, my one criticism is that this author must be in his 60s because he does, he's not hip on technology. <laughs> well, you know, um, Sue Grafton, the late, great Sue Grafton, never aged her character that much. Maybe, you know, over the course of the years that she wrote um, Kinsey Milhome, she she always drove the same car. She had to stop at pay phones. There was no <laughs> such thing as a cell phone. And I always used to wonder, you know, why authors didn't age their characters. Well, because if, you know, you started off meeting someone at 24 years old and you're still writing 25 years later, you know, it's awful hard to incorporate all that tech in there, wouldn't you think? So sometimes... Well, you, but you, you, know, you got to grow, too. Well, but, you know, hey... Sue Grafton never had a problem with that, you know. She uh, she well, was great. I, I, I accept I accepted the criticism. It was it was fair criticism. You know, so you, you can't listen. I'm the first one to tell you, even though I I do you know a very tech oriented profession. I do radio shows and podcasts. <laughs> I'm still a tech twit. So, you know, I thank God there are people out there who know how to do that stuff for us. Um, William Myers Jr., my my friend Bill. Uh, I want to say, in all openness and fairness, Bill will be joining the authors on the Air Global Radio Network as a host 
who who will be discussing legal thrillers and all things law. So we're real excited about that. Uh, look for Bill coming within the next month or two. He's um, trying to figure out how to do this in his law practice and take care of his lovely wife, Lisa, whom I adore. Um, Bill, tell us where we can find you on the web. Sure, Pam. Thanks. Um, you can find me at www.williammyersjr.com, Twitter at William Myers Jr., Facebook William L. Myers Jr., um, and uh, Instagram. See, you I'm, could, looking, you at, also, I'm looking at my. You could also Google William Myers. This shows you. I'm you looking at my book. William Myers, like I did, and you'll find him really easy. Yeah, really? Pam. I'm looking at my book. I'm looking at a bookmark, and there's a little uh-huh. symbol there, and I'm trying to figure out what it's Instagram. I'm trying to figure out what is this, <laughs> <laughs> and that tells you how far behind I am. Yeah, you know, uh, and I know your communications director, and I know she's on top of things. So, um, <laughs> so, so, uh, I want to say congratulations to you both, um, Mark. When does your next book release? I'm not sure. The first, the first three were self-published. Uh huh. Um, I've, I've reached out to a few agents on the fourth book, and they've expressed interest. Oh, so fabulous! I'm to, to to find out whether or not uh, the Trail in Black will end up being a, a represented book rather than a self-published book. Oh, congratulations! Either way, uh, you know I wish you all the best, um, Bill. I know Thank that you. you are you finished edits um, on book number four. I'm really excited to 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 read that. When do you anticipate the release might be? Uh, I believe it's scheduled to come out in February of 2020. Good. Well, I'm going to look forward to that. Um, Listeners and friends, this is William Myers Jr. and Mark M. Bellow. Both of them are wonderful attorneys and writers um, in legal thrillers. I absolutely encourage you to go to Brick and Mortar and to Amazon or your favorite online store and pick them up. Gentlemen, thank you so much for spending part of your afternoon with me. I truly appreciate it. And I hope to talk to you both again soon. Thank you. Thank you, Pam. And thank Anytime. you, Mark. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're absolutely Bill, welcome. I'm going I'm, I'm to order, I'm going to order your books. Oh, thank you. I, I will, I will do the same. Thank you so oh, much, everybody for listening. And thank you, mom and dad. I'll see you later. Mm-hmm.